Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, Deep Dive with Andy and the White Whale. Welcome to the Deep Dive. We have a special guest with us to handicap two very, very difficult uh, to predict divisions uh, coming up for the 2018 NFL season. Um, this is the real deal, guys. No drills. This is not a drill. We are officially preseason started. The Hall of Fame game was last Thursday. It was awful. I watched about five minutes of it, uh, but it doesn't matter. Uh, we have wall-to-wall training camp coverage going on right now. I have heavy-duty opinions formulated for so many of these teams, all eight that we're going to talk about today. Um, Andy is with us, as always, to provide the insight you know and expect from as always to provide the the brilliant insight you know and expect and uh with andy we have uh an absolute maestro of football handicapping college basketball handicapping and a local um aficionado of the denver broncos uh welcome for the first time ever to the deep dive mr jay crier Hey man, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing super, super well. Uh, this is the, these next four podcasts are probably going to be. I mean, I've been looking forward to this for months. No joke. Like uh, this is uh, this is what we uh, this is what we uh, get out of bed for. So I'm, you know, the excitement in my voice is not fake. It is very, very real. And um, we're going to cover the AFC West with Jay today, uh, and then Jay. Uh, I don't know. Pick out pick pick an NFC. Uh, conference uh, out of the air that we can talk about for the uh, for the second of our two conferences. Uh, the NFC South. Oh, okay. All right. NFC South. That's a good pick. That's that good because probably... that's what I prepped for based oh, on what huge. you said earlier. Huge. <laughs> huge. Huge. Oh, so, no. I've uh, been, I, I know you guys have too, but I've been listening to a lot of content, reading a ton of content, just engulfed in NFL and kind of even college football Twitter right now. There's so much, so much going on right now. I'm just, I can't believe like we still have four weeks of preseason. It feels like I've been engrossed in the season in like two months now. Like it's, it's been forever, but it's still, we haven't even had a full week of preseason games yet. So we got a while yet, but this will definitely help us satiate some of the hunger and just, just break down some divisions. That's perfect. Um, for the listeners who aren't familiar with Jay, uh, Jay, where can they find you on Twitter? And uh, you know, we'll ask you a couple questions about your background. Yeah, so it's at Jay Career. It's J A Y K R I E R. Um, I uh, native Coloradoan, um, so big Bronco fan. Colorado State guy. Uh, went to Colorado State. I'm from Fort Collins, so have a lot of loyalty. Uh, to the university and just kind of the city of Fort Collins. Uh, but I live uh, down in Erie, more towards Denver, uh, if you're familiar with Colorado. But um, just, you know, been into uh, basically sports gambling since I was old enough to go. I lived in San Diego and, you know, spent a lot of time uh, making quick trips out to Vegas and um, kind of started for me going out there during spring break, which actually coincidentally went in line with, March Madness and the rest mm. is kind of history. So uh, <laughs> it, it just sort of, uh, you know, obviously college basketball became a big thing for me. I've always been a, an avid NFL and college football guy, um, but, you know, really got into college basketball and just betting and gambling and 
Um, you know, that turned into handicapping and, you know, here I am uh, 13 years later, still grinding. That's the best. Okay. So this, this is perfect. Jay is right in our wheelhouse uh, and uh, exactly kind of in line with uh, kind of my history, at least time-wise. So this is super cool. Uh, and, you know, it's silly to think that the folks who are listening to this don't already know who you are from your presence on gambling Twitter. And I've looked often into your, uh, your expert advice when it comes to college basketball and uh, college football, since those are two areas that I don't do a ton of homework myself. Um, that said, uh, the, uh, your, your uh, thoughts and opinions regarding the AFC West um, are about as sharp as I've come across in all of the Twitter space. So this was a no-brainer uh, talking about what should be a fantastic down-to-the-wire uh, division race this year in the NFL season. Bring Jay on. Let's talk some. Let's talk some Broncos. Let's talk some Chiefs and Chargers and Raiders. Yeah, I was. I was going to say, do we do the Broncos first, or we save it? Save it for the last one of the division. <sighs> so I vote. As far as format goes, I vote we go down in order of most likely to win the division to least likely to win the division. All right. So start uh, with the, start with the Broncos then. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, great call, great call. Let's no, let's let's for for well, we'll go with sake, the Let's just go we'll with go the, the odds. odds. Let's just use yeah. the odds. Let's pretend like the market is really sharp and mature, and the odds are correct. And so we'll we'll start with the Chargers <laughs> and then Chiefs. <laughs> Almost Raiders said and San Broncos. Diego, but that is that is one. A couple episodes ago, we did our NFL um, New Year's in July resolutions for the year and i missed that one i am going to try to make it all year without absent-mindedly calling them san diego or st louis for that matter sorry Ryan. So, the <laughs> la chart yeah. oh my That's god I, I struggle so mightily with that so yeah the 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 chargers are favorites that's a great that's a a great resolution um, so let's, uh, let's see here. So as far, also, as far as format goes, uh, the major topics we want to try to cover here are, um, you know, number one, uh, you know, not in-depth recap of what happened to these teams in the off season. Um, but just kind of, you know, who, who, you know, plus, you know, whether you think they did a particularly good or bad job in some of their offseason moves for each team. Uh, and then we want to kind of touch on this is what the market has set the win total as. Um, I want to give a little bit of context to how the win total has moved uh, from the time it opened to where it currently sits, uh, just so you can kind of get a feel for what the market thinks uh, between April and now. Uh, and then um, uh, lastly, just kind of, you know, gambling angles what are we trying to hit here how, how do we want to bet this team is there something that's you know going on with the way that their schedule stacks up where we want to get after them at some point in the season or it makes most sense to grab a preseason number now uh and uh and then we'll uh we'll move on to the next team down the list so uh does that sound good with you guys yeah man. yes excellent so uh, the AFC West favorites, AFC West favorites. Is the this, Bolts. uh, Andy, is this the most wide open division? Oh boy. I, I know a guy who thinks a lot of things are wide open. Oh, shout out, <laughs> shout out Cal if he's listening, but, uh, very, very wide open. I know it isn't. It's the AFC South according yeah. to odds, okay. I, but okay. no, I, there is, I mean, the chargers are plus plus one fifty five right now. There's a you know a two dollar 
or a, a solid $1 difference between them and the chiefs. You got another, you got another dollar there between them and the the Raiders and the chiefs. It's, it's a little spread out, but everybody is plus money. And you know, are you really in a position to trust the chargers as a favorite to win a division? To <laughs> That's to a great question. Not, not get sketchy or injured. So I think it is wide open. I could make, I think I could make a, an argument for every team, you know, if some things bounce right, maybe, you know, uh, without jumping to the other teams, I think the Chargers, probably the most talented roster, and that's why you're paying, you know, only plus 155. But I guess with the Chargers, you probably need to make an argument for why they don't win it, and those are pretty easy too. Like, they miss 30 field goals. They get everyone injured. They can't punch in touchdowns in the red zone. You know, a receiver tears his ACL every single year. There's just, just charger things could happen. So charger thing, charger things would be the thing. I do like, uh, we talked a little off air chargers are minus one forty five to make the playoffs. I wouldn't be afraid of that juice. I think the AFC is just, again, wide open. Yeah. I don't I don't think the AFC obviously everyone knows how tough the NFC is. The AFC, there's just not the depth. There's not it's not as top heavy. I think that's a decent number if you really like that team. And I probably will play that singly or maybe possibly in a parlay. Okay, interesting. Interesting. So let me kind of set up the Chargers um last six months in case anyone's been like super dialed in on tennis instead of like you know, really prepping for football season. <laughs> um, so the Chargers absolutely should have made a playoff last year in a very weak AFC. Uh, they finished nine and seven, even though they managed to drop uh, a game week one against the Broncos, where they had a chance to tie it with a field goal. They managed to drop week two uh, versus the Dolphins when they had a chance to win the game with a last second field goal. Um, they had uh, just put on a clinic of missed miss tackles in the running game against the Chiefs week three and the Eagles week four. All this led to an 0-4 start out of the gate and effectively doomed their season before it even started. Uh, even though they went 0-4 out of the gate, they managed to win uh, nine of their uh, of their next 12. So they went 0-4 and then finished 9-3, and which is impressive, I have to say, with the three losses coming to the Patriots and the Jaguars, who obviously ended up in the AFC championship game. Uh, and then on December 16th with the chance to basically take a, take control of the AFC West, they went at Kansas city and they got smoked 30 to 13 ended their season, even though they finished nine and seven tied with the Titans uh, tied with the, uh, who got sixth. I can't even remember. Um, who was sixth the in the AFC West the Buffalo Bills were nine and seven. Also, they finished in a three-way tie, but because they're the Chargers and because they're cursed, uh, they do not make the playoffs. And uh, yeah, and then you know that they they all kinds of uh, all kinds of uh, uh, regrets in the kicking game uh, and in the past in the rush defense. Uh, with as talented as this roster was, they one hundred percent should have made the playoffs. So that was pretty pathetic. Um, in the off season, they proceeded to. You know, do a whole lot of meh, uh, I thought, other than their first round draft pick getting uh, uh, Derwin James falling in their lap and kind of continuing to bolster their outstanding pass defense, I thought was uh, pretty incredible. Um, so here we sit, 
they're the favorites to win the AFC West, but you know, Phillip rivers is 30 going to be 37 this year. Um, you know, they have, you know, they have a kind of a weird imbalanced roster where they still have clear holes in the, in the offense and the defense, even though overall, I think you said it right, Andy, they're the, probably the most talented of the teams in the FC West. Uh, and so there's reason to be hopeful if you're a Chargers fan, if you're one of the 15 Chargers fans in Los Angeles, there's reason to be hopeful. Um, but, uh, but at the same time, you know, with all of the, you know, all the ways they figured out how to play themselves out of contention last year, I don't think I'm really getting involved, uh, in any heavy duty capacity with the Chargers future. Is this, is this a fair way of setting up sort of the, the state of the Chargers, Jay? Yeah, I mean, there's a saying here in Denver that, you know, Chargers are going to Chargers, okay? Um, they have pretty much every year that the Chargers have gone in as the favorite in the entire Rivers era, um, they have somehow shit the bed. Um, occasionally, it's been in the postseason, uh, but a lot of times it has just been super slow starts. Uh, like last year, you know, like you said, they started 0-4. They also were 3-6 and at one point and then end up ripping off six of their last seven games. I mean, that is typical Charger football. That's sort of what they do. Um, they start slow almost every single year and have to battle back to adversity to get where they need to get. Um, <laughs> they've, they're... They're they're already um, having they're already having injury concerns again. Uh, obviously, Jason Barrett is out again this year, and then Hunter Henry going down. I think it was about a week after they let Antonio Gates leave town. Um, <laughs> so it, it's tough. It it's tough. I mean, yeah, I, I'm shocked to see that they weren't outside of Antonio Gates with a sign saying "Please come back," um, but they didn't do that. And you know, obviously, they brought Virgil Green in from the Broncos. And to try and kind of piece together, I guess, an semblance of a tight end. But I think putting Virgil Green in as a replacement for Hunter Henry is um, a, a very, very broke man's version of Hunter Henry. So, uh, it, you know, uh, that has me concerned uh, a little bit just there. I know today out of camp, it doesn't sound like it was major, but Joey Bosa left practice today, um, walked off on his own power. But you know, very well, you know, are we seeing the Drew Brees curse continue to kind of um, show its ugly face for the San Diego, or sorry, L.A. Chargers? Um, <laughs> oh, I, already, uh, I already did it. That should be, yeah. that should be like a shot. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm looking and we, you know, we talked, we talked a little off fair. And, you know, we, we said we were going to go from the top to the bottom according to odds. But, but we, we are going to throw a lot of cold water on for three quarters of this, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, it's true. Because just uh, you know, it, I was gonna say, if not the Chargers, then is there value on the Chiefs at plus two sixty five? And I mean, it's the same kind of thing for me as far as I I don't trust the Chargers. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know if I can trust the Chiefs with a, a rookie. Boy, this whole division is just this is a giant question mark. You got. A cursed team. A cur- he's not a rookie. A cursed team. A first-year starter. A coach that got brought back from 1955, and then, you know, the the orange crush. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So I don't think the odds are out of whack for the Chargers. Plus 155 to win the division. Division seems reasonable given the talent that they have. Um, it's a huge question mark, though. Everything Jay said jived. Like. And they still have the problem of they're playing in a soccer stadium with 20,000 opposing fans every Sunday. Um, like you, these are, they, they have no home field advantage. 
Um, that's an, that's a huge handicap in this league. Um, they're a cheap team. They're not, they don't run, you know, they don't run a first class NFL organization and that ends up, you know, trickling in with the way guys get hurt and things like that. And yeah, you mentioned the Drew Brees curse. If that's as powerful as it appears to be, then, you know, they're going to lose Joey Bosa with a foot injury for the season on something that he went, you know, that he walked off the field on his own power with. Uh, so, you know, it, it 39% implied probability to win the division at plus 155. That seems reasonable. Um, I even think that number has come down. I think it was closer to plus 200 on the open. Um, so it's kind of come down from like implying about 33% to about 39%. That seems totally reasonable. Um, interestingly enough, their win total number has been pretty flat. Uh, it opened at nine and a half. Um, and it still sits at nine and a half with the over only juice to about minus 115. So we're only seeing a little bit of extra, extra, uh, juice on the over, um, indicating people aren't really trying to bet this team too, um, you know, too significantly. Um, but you know, all this said, you do see some experts out there saying stuff like the chargers are done, you know, our dark horse team to win the AFC cause the AFC is still weak. Um, you know, Philip rivers at 37 years old. Uh, I'm not buying it. Well, here's, so. here's the thing with the chargers that one of the things with the chargers is they did improve their offensive line. Uh, they brought in Mike Pouncey, and then they essentially are getting Forrest Lamp as a rookie, right? Because he missed the entire year last year. Um, he should come in and, and essentially be their left guard uh, to start the season. Um, so, you know, Forrest Lamp coming in, Pouncey coming in, you know, the offensive line has been an issue for them. So does that, does that unit improve? I think it does. I'm, I'm not a believer in Russell Okun. I got to see plenty of him out here in Denver. Um, but I, I think the offensive line did improve, and then they did get the steal in the draft with James Derwin. I mean, to fall to them where he did, uh, you know, the Raiders passed on. Yeah, the Raiders passed on him uh, a couple picks ahead, um, you know, and and then they get James Derwin. And I think it was a great pick, obviously. Um, and then they go out and get Caleb Sturgis to, you know, hopefully get a kicker who can come in and make some kicks, um, especially crucial ones. But, you know, you talked about their schedule. Obviously, they lost a lot of close games. They also lost to Jacksonville in overtime. Um, so, you know, I think if you look at them breaking down their individual units outside of maybe their linebacking core, Melvin Ingram's amazing, but I, I think that's probably their weakness on the defense. Their, their secondary is up there with one of the best secondaries in the league. Um, Joey Bosa is, you know, probably one of the best defensive ends in the league. They've got plenty of wide receiver talent. You know, so they they have all the pieces to be the favorite in the AFC West. So I, I think it's sort of justified at this point in time. But I would be very weary of putting any future bets on them. Um, I would maybe wait and see what happens in the first three to four weeks with the Chargers. Because like I said, it's their MO to start slow. They're probably yeah. going to do it again this year. Um, and, and then maybe you, you can jump on the Chargers a little bit later. But uh, I'm I'm pretty leery about putting any money on on the L.A. Chargers um, at the early go of the season, at least. Hey, Jay, let me ask you a follow-up on that. Uh, Joey Bosa is about plus 600. He's about 6-1 to one to win Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, I can make a pretty strong case that if the secondary, Verrett aside, if the secondary stays healthy, uh, that that is a very, very strong unit, uh, which will give Ingram and Bosa more of an opportunity to just go balls out trying to take down the passer. 
this is Bosa's third year. Uh, he's gotten better both of his first two years, and he could be a an absolute nightmare uh, for opposing uh, you know opposing offensive lines to block. Um, he's got good matchups against uh, Chiefs offensive line. I find relatively weak. I think the Denver offensive line has huge question marks. Uh, Oakland's offensive line is older, but they're fine, but they're older. Um, and then he plays a handful of other offensive lines where he could absolutely eat. Uh, is there a case to be made to back Bosa as defensive player of the year at six to one instead of taking a future on the chargers, which, you know, cause if the chargers, if the, if, if the chargers, I feel like if they exceed expectations, uh, that puts Bosa in the absolute driver's seat to be defensive player of the year and vice versa. Uh, and so six to one for that prop, actually like that really sings to me. Is there a case there? I definitely think there is. Uh, what I would do again, we are talking about the chargers. We talked about chargers <laughs> are going to charger. And uh, you know, there's, there's a ton of injury, just like a curse over this team. So I would wait until he at least gets through the preseason and maybe place that bet right before kickoff week <laughs> Great one. Point. Um, Great point. Um, but, Great. <laughs> but I, I think, you know, I think it's kind of headed in that direction. Um, you know, outside of Denver, you know, the Denver and LA are going to have the best two defenses in the division. And I, I like the point, and I was going to reach to this too, on the offensive line. You know, Denver has sort of a questionable offensive line. Chiefs offensive line is pretty horrid. Yeah, and then the Raiders, yeah. e- even though the Raiders, and I, I feel the Raiders have probably a top five offensive line in the league, they do have an older Donald Penn. And then they are right now, I, I looked at the, uh, the initial depth chart for the Raiders to this morning, actually. And the Raiders are projecting to start Colton Miller out of UCLA at left tackle. Mm. So, you know, it, Joey Bosa gets a, a rookie uh, on the best line in the division. Mm, I, I think I would take it, you know, that I, but again, I, I'm going to wait until right before kickoff week one, before I put anything <laughs> in, in correlation to an LA charger player. I just want to make sure they get through their four games. Uh, before they start playing football that matters. But um, I, I definitely think, you know, if you look around the league at guys who have won some of the accolades, Bosa, there's a lot of hype around them too. You got to love the hype because, yep, that's um, right. you know, it, it, if you get that hype, you get them headed in the right direction very well. If he has another strong year, um, he'll probably be in the conversation at the end. So I, I don't think it would be a bad bet at six to one. I was going to save this for the Raiders, but uh, there's another reason to be, concerned about the Raiders offensive line and his name is Tom Cable. Uh, they brought in the worst uh, position coach in the history of the NFL to coach that unit and uh, trouble awaits them. I think. Um, okay. Great. Good stuff. Uh, Andy, uh, last question about the Chargers, and then let's move down the list. Um, they have a little bit of a wacky schedule early on. Uh, they got to go. I always am concerned about teams that have back-to-back road games. We talked about this in the situational schedule pod back-to-back road games early in the season is a huge red flag. The chargers do it weeks two and week three. They got to go play an early game in Buffalo who they should just, they should outmatch. They should outclass the bills by a significant amount early in the season. So that shouldn't be a huge problem for them, even if it is early. And traditionally the chargers play pretty poorly in the, uh, in the 10 AM time zone. Um, but, uh, then they come Absolutely. back home, they come back home and play the Rams in the Coliseum week three that's a tough spot 
Uh, I don't, I guess it doesn't really count as back-to-back roadies as much as other ones because it's in LA for crying out loud. Um, but, uh, it's still, it's going to be hot there. That's going to be a tough place to play. Then they what go to San Francisco. What was the question? Basically the early part of their season, <laughs> yeah. the early part of their season, really leading up to like I know week, week six, week seven, where they go at Cleveland and then they go over to London. Um, as you look across this first seven games, how do you project them playing? And what kind of record are they heading into their bye after the week seven Tennessee in London? Boy, a full record breakdown. That's, I mean, seven and oh, seven and oh. Cause so I, I asked that in part no, because I don't think that's so crazy. Like, no, I don't yeah, think like that's the, nuts. Like uh, five and two, worst case. Five and two. Yeah. That, yeah. That's where they could be a five and two, six and one team here. There's always a slip up, but yeah, they they kind of have a nice little schedule there to start with. They get a buy, especially if they take advantage of maybe traveling smart to the UK. And yeah, if you can go into the buy, rest up for a week, and be sitting on a nice little uh, lead in the division, that uh, trip to Seattle doesn't look so daunting. No, no, it certainly doesn't. Okay. All right. Interesting. Uh, okay. So I think there's, there's, it's fine if you want to be optimistic about the chargers, but buyer beware, maybe my, my only conclusion about them is uh, if they are as good as people think they, you know, if they hit their ceiling, um, then boasted win defensive player of the year at six to one is, uh, is one worth having in your back pocket. And um, yeah, let's move on down the list to uh, the next highest, the next most likely to win the AFC West with a 20 28% implied probability plus 260 odds. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. 265. You're seeing 265? It's already drifting out. Interesting. See, and Interesting. Here's a here's a fun thing about the uh let's say you use five dimes and we don't uh I guess I don't care. It's not like we're giving them free pub. People know about five dimes. But for some reason they list it two different ways. And maybe Jay Jay knows what I'm talking about here. But they'll have yeah. AFC West division, and they'll list all the odds of the four teams, and the Chiefs are 265 there. And then up top, they'll have Chiefs win the AFC West or Chiefs field wins the AFC West, and they'll list the Chiefs at 265. So, I mean, it might not be – it might not be. And the same thing goes for every single team up there. The odds are lower. Um, you know, they're different bet numbers or different rotation numbers. For some reason, they always do this where there's two different ways to bet a team to win often the Super Bowl or their division. And then five dimes, one is just like a 1% better, you know, a couple mm-hmm. percentage, just, just a couple pennies. But, you know, depending on how much you bet and if you're doing this often, keep an eye on that because I don't I don't fully understand it. But, uh, you know, bet the bigger number. Because that's better. Like uh, it's not advice I should have to give, I guess. But yeah, two well, sixty-five. I, I think they they list they list one in props and they list one in futures. So they they're kind of propping one where you know if you're betting field on the other side, you're betting yep. one of two bets, and then the futures. But I've noticed that too on numbers of occasion. You know where I'm looking at. Okay, I, I like this bet, and then I go and check the other one. I'm like, holy crap, this is ten cents better. Like, of course I'm going to bet it this way. It's the exact same bet, um, but five times does that a lot. It, yeah, it's goofy, but yeah, keep an eye on that. Like Jay hit it on the head. One's in props, one's in futures under there. And Chiefs at two sixty five, terrible number, no chance. Big twelve quarterback, 
lost, <laughs> terrible throwing motion. He's got Tebow's wind up, except he was in a air raid offense. I don't love anything about that. I do like Andy Reid as a, as an offensive coach. I hate him as a an in-game manager slash understanding how timeouts work. Like, I just don't understand. I don't think he even knows, like, how many timeouts you start with. Like, that might not be in his in his capacity as a coach. So I, uh, I'm, I'm not uh, bullish on the chiefs. I hate okay, everything so, about the defense that they lost. I hate Mahomes. I love their offensive weapons, but uh, at two sixty five, I don't think I'm touching them. We should have prefaced uh, this whole segment with, uh, if you are a Kansas city chiefs fan, skip ahead to minute 30 in the podcast. Cause this is not safe for work for <laughs> our KC chief yeah. friends, because you know, I'm, we're, I'm, we're past I'm minute also 30 at this point. So, Okay. All right. All right. Well, the, the super bad math. Okay. Well, either way, uh, <laughs> Sorry, either Caleb. way, either way, jump ahead, Caleb, this is not your segment of the pod. Apologies. Uh, but, uh, let Sorry, me, buddy. let me set this up a little bit. So Andy Reed, uh, this is his sixth year in Kansas city. Uh, he has in his previous five seasons made the playoffs four times. And in the one season he didn't make the playoffs, he only, he went nine and seven. So he has racked up 11, 9, 11, 12, and 10 wins in his uh, five, uh, five, five seasons with this team. The constant in all of those seasons was his quarterback, Alex Smith. And Alex Smith now taking snaps in Washington, D.C., and Pat Mahomes, the guy they traded up for to draft in last year's draft, uh, traded up for, by the way, by a GM who then promptly got fired that offseason before the season started. It's worth noting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, picked their quarterback of the future. Uh, Andy Reid has to now develop this kid without his standby, uh, you know, his standby coordinator, Matt Nagy, who has now moved on to be the head coach in Chicago. These are huge red flags. And this is on the offense. We haven't even gotten to the fact that their defense absolutely uh, combusted. Uh, they they uh, they dropped one in their trousers against Tennessee in the second half uh, of their wild card playoff game, uh, and uh, that unit, which was already struggling and you know, had, was dealing with players who were too old to be out there, uh, players who were you know overrated at their positions, and even that got weaker. They got rid of Marcus Peters. Uh, they're, you know, they're, they're one playmaker on defense. The guy was their most valuable player on the team in 2016. Uh, and, uh, and now you have, you put yourself in a very difficult position with a rookie quarterback, I think, as far as the supporting cast goes, especially on defense, especially on the offensive line. Uh, I have zero clue why they opened this. Uh, they opened this as the second highest likely, second most likely to win the AFC West. The win total they opened up was seven and a half. Um, you know, that's, I, you know, that would be the lowest win total of all of the years that Andy Reid's been there. Uh, but even that, I think, uh, is, you know, something that I would bet the under on. And, um, yeah, I just, I don't really know how to put a positive gloss on this season for the Chiefs unless Pat Mahomes truly is a player that, I just don't understand how good he is. Is that, you know, is, is, is there anything else positive that we can spin this for chiefs fans uh, for Jay? Well, uh, no, I, I, the, the biggest thing is 
the biggest thing that stands out to me when I when I'm breaking down the Chiefs and sort of all the offseason moves, obviously they had some defensive inefficiencies. Even diehard Chiefs fans will tell you um, the defense was not good. Okay, so they but somehow with Marcus Peters and uh, Benny Logan and some of these guys who have now left. They were plus 15 in turnover differential last year. It was one of the best in the entire NFL. Ooh, that's a good nugget. You're going to take away. You're going to take away Alex Smith, who's your ball protector. He's you know your checkdown master. You you get rid of him. You bring in Pat Mahomes, and I've watched a lot of film on Pat Mahomes. Okay, he's a guy who is he's a he's a chucker, right? He will throw that ball downfield. He's not, he's not afraid to throw a ball 60 yards across his body. Um, it, it, everything that I look at is the defense got worse. Pat Mahomes is now your starting quarterback. Yes, he has tons of weapons around him. I mean, he, he's got everything you can want. If Sam, you know, Sammy Watkins did not practice today. He walked off yesterday. Hopefully he's okay for them. But, you know, Kareem Hunt. Tyreek Hill, Kelsey, Sammy Watkins. He has a lot of playmakers surrounding him, but everything points to a massive regression and turnover differential for me. And also you then mix in, and I know you guys are all about the schedules, but if you look at their schedule to start the season, it is absolutely brutal. They open up at LA to play the Chargers. Then they go to Pittsburgh. They come home and probably the only game they're going to be favored in the first six weeks to play San Francisco. Uh, right now, I, I think I saw that at minus three, so not a huge favorite at home. Then they go to Denver for a game that will probably be a pick on Monday night football, primetime in the Mile High City. Then they play Jacksonville at home and then go to Foxborough. So Unbelievable. To me, to me, there is no way I would invest any money on the Chiefs at the beginning of the year. However, if you are a Chiefs fan who wants to get some action on them for a future, just wait until they get, they're done in Foxborough. Wait until that game's over because there's a very likely chance they're going to be looking at. I think I think probably the, the the ceiling is maybe four and two, and the floor and the floor could be as low as one and five. I I I think they find a way to win maybe one or two games in there, but I think realistically they're probably going to be two and four after that game in Foxborough. And that's the time where you want to invest in a Chiefs if you want a future bet on them. Just wait, hold your money, see what Mahomes does. Maybe Mahomes is going to blow us all away. But I, I have a feeling, you know, he's going to throw more touchdowns than Alex Smith did, but he's damn sure going to throw more interceptions. This is why we brought you on, Jay. That was a fantastic breakdown. I, I, the turnover differential is something that I completely missed, but you're absolutely right. That is going to take a huge, huge swing, and they could end up negative fifteen this year. I could completely see that. Um, man, this is uh, this is this is exactly uh, the kind of insight we were hoping for. So, thank you for that. Uh, you bring up a great point too. After New England, things get a little bit rosier. They get home versus Cincinnati, home versus Denver at Cleveland, and then home versus Arizona before playing the Rams in Mexico City, and then they get their bye. Um, so, they could write the ship. It may be worth trying to grab a little piece of uh, Chiefs to make the playoffs when they're one and five or two and four after week six, Uh, that price will probably be in the plus 500 range, uh, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, hell of a lot better than betting them at plus 265 to win the West right now. So outstanding, my friend, outstanding. Um, I I mean, just look look at the schedule real quick. Do you see 
any which way where they get not more than nine wins. No, this was something, this was something I do every year with the alternate totals on five dimes. I'm going to pick about 12 teams that I have very, very, very strong leans for as far as win totals, and then put together a really fun parlay. I'll have to post that later. I'm where I'm going to be working on that over the next month and not even a month. I'll probably have it done tonight for, I should just admit that right now, but uh, boy, some of these win totals, you can, you know, you pay a little more juice on things like that, but uh, I just feel like that's such a strong leg. I can't see nine. I don't, I don't see nine wins in the schedule, much less 10. So no, there's going to be, there's going to be a few spots like that where I, I will just absolutely throw something like that into a parlay and have some fun with it. It's weird. Uh, the over is actually taken a little bit of money for the Chiefs. They opened it at seven and a half, and uh, it's drifted all the way up to eight. And an eight, you got to pay minus one thirty-four to bet the over. So I mean, it's basically between eight and eight and a half right now. Uh, I still like under seven and a half, which you can get at plus one forty. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, it's really incredible. Uh, I, I I really don't know what the Chiefs did to warrant uh, getting, you know, getting behind them and, and putting their money down other than just the promise of, you know, future seasons. Once you, you know, you know, in the long term, is Mahomes going to be upgraded over uh, Smith? Sure. But that might not be for three seasons. <laughs> it certainly isn't likely to be this season, especially with how difficult their schedule is. Uh, they're the only team in the AFC West that plays the Patriots and the Jaguars right there. That is a huge downgrade. Uh, for the Chiefs relative to the other AFC West teams who all kind of have easy schedules. Um, any final thoughts on the Chiefs, Jay? Uh, no, you nailed it on the head there with New England, Jacksonville. You know, conversely, Denver plays the Jets and the Texans. Um, you know, so, and 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 then, yeah. you know, also uh, in the common games with AFC West opponents, um, they have at Pittsburgh, um, you know, so they have to go play there. That's kind of tough for them, so... It just shakes down, I think, for an ugly start for Kansas City. Uh, again, there could be value in it, like you said, with just to make the playoffs or, you know, even probably fantastic odds if they start three and three or two and four to get them to win the division. So if you are thinking about investing in the Chiefs, just wait, see what happens with Mahomes, see how he's playing. I, I don't think it's going to get any worse as far as odds are. It will only get better. Third up on the list, we got the uh, Raiders. The Raiders at plus 375. That's uh gives them about a 20% chance of winning the West. Uh that's uh it's not bad. Uh although it's interesting their over season uh regular season win to- total over under is eight. Um I've seen this all, all number all over the place. I think they opened it at like uh, eight and a half, and it went up to nine, then back down to eight. So, I mean, this is there's been money on this, has been a heavily bet, uh, a heavily bet, um, win total. And if you do shop around for this one, I bet you can find a way to arbitrage it even between books if you were that if you were so inclined. Um, but uh, the Raiders were had a very, very, very um, uh, highly publicized offseason. No one, you know, no one that's coming into this year doesn't know what they did. Uh, they gave their quarterback, Derek Carr, uh, five years or four years, $25 million a year. He's basically a $100 million quarterback now. They brought uh, Chucky out of retirement. Uh, they brought him out of the booth from Monday Night Football uh, to lead them back to the days of their former glory. 
all this is the you know in in they're two years away from uh leaving their home oakland coliseum moving out to vegas um so we are in the second to last year in oakland um there's a lot of moving parts here and um you know my feelings have kind of gone in up and down as well uh and i think just overall the season looks like it's going to be up and down for this team um I would say, Andy, did you have kind of a, yeah, I'm, a, a, I'm a gut reaction? Did you oh, have a gut, gut reaction on what uh, on what Gruden said in some of his opening press conferences? Yeah, it wasn't great. Like, uh, you know, you get out all the offseason and maybe not puff pieces, but there's some actually good articles about the use of analytics in, in the NFL and how the Philadelphia Eagles did quite a bit of it and how it worked out for them, which spoiler alert was good. <laughs> and then you get Gruden. I mean, without diving into all the quotes, just said the exact opposite. Like he, his, his analytics quotes were, were really weird. Like he, he did say something about, yeah, we'll use analytics. And then in the next sentence about how they had like a DJ at practice. <laughs> DJ analytics. Yeah, that's not the yes. same thing. Like he, he's no, no. he's a he's a great football mind. He's a great coach, but so was Norv Turner at one point. Like <laughs> the, you know, the, the game might have passed him by. Well, I'm really I really like a healthy car with some of the receivers he has. Uh, they have some nice pieces. They don't have the world's worst schedule, but man, the Chucky has me a little worried. Like if they're gonna if they're gonna be running, you know, fullback dives and stuff, and maybe that's hyperbole. <laughs> no, but it's not. Up. At the same time, like he's showing them film from 1978 for some freaking reason. It's yeah. it's so strange. There, there's like there's, and I think you're, what you're getting out of the, all of this sort of wishy washiness from us is exactly like reading the tea leaves here. Like on one hand, you'll see like somebody will come out of practice and he's like, oh, they're running all kinds of. Uh, you know, innovative RPOs and they're using the running back in these passing situations that we haven't seen before. And, and, uh, cars, you know, showing a new level of understanding of the offense. And then, then out of the other side of his face, he's got, you know, his tight end talking about watching, you know, film from 1978. And we're going to take this team back to 1998 and we're going to, you know, you know, we don't, we don't buy all this, you know, mumbo jumbo statistics stuff, uh, you know, and it's like, it's the mixed signals are out of control. Um, the only thing that I'm getting a con- consistent signal on so far is that uh, Gruden does not have a very strong ability to evaluate uh, free agents, uh, guys who are veterans. He's bringing in, he's brought in guys who I don't think are good fits for the team. I don't think they're good fits for the current state of football. Uh, and so, kind of in the short term, I think there's maybe some reason to be optimistic about the Raiders because he's, you know, he he is obviously. He's injected a whole bunch of uh, new found confidence in Derek Carr. But, you know, so in the short term, sure, be optimistic. In the long term, I I just don't see how this is a successful uh, endeavor whatsoever. Uh, Jade, Raiders fans uh, have anything to look forward to? You know, I'm I'm sort of torn on them a little uh, as well. I was sort of leaning toward unders for them. Uh, I think I saw, you know, eight. It's kind of the number for them, you know, it's kind of the magic number for the regular season win totals. But, you know, they're going to have an explosive passing attack. And, you know, hopefully Gruden, you know, can sort of take, you know, Derek Carr under his wing and, and uh, you know, 
get this offense going. I think, you know, adding Jordy Nelson, uh, if Martavis Bryant ends up being a weapon, you know, yeah, they lost Crabtree, but, you know, they're really not missing a beat there. Um, They have tons of amazing offensive linemen, um, you know, center, both guards are amazing. Obviously Donald Penn is still really good. He's, He's getting up there a little bit. I did kind of throw a nugget in there earlier that it sounds like Colton Miller will be the starting left tackle, at least here initially out of camp. That's what they're saying. So that could be a little bit of a question mark, but all in all, the offense is sort of stayed together. And in fact, you know, they bring in Doug Martin, who I think they sort of need a second back because I, I just don't think Marshawn Lynch is really the, a one horse guy anymore. Yeah. You know, I, I think he kind of needs a little bit of help to kind of be able to establish some sort of running game, but Transversely, you know, they end up taking Colton Miller with the 14th pick when Derwin James was on the board. Yeah, and their secondary they, is no. god awful. Their secondary is god awful. Reggie Nelson's like 34 years old. So, I mean, their starting free safety <laughs> is, is, is old. They, they also have Leon Hall. He's, he's older than me. He's 34 years old, too. I, I mean, you know, I, I, the, to me, that secondary unit, I know they've got Garen Conley, and I, I know there's a lot of love for him, and they think he's going to be real special. That was their number one pick uh, from 2017. But the secondary is in bad shape. Uh, they may have, you know, probably one of the worst linebacking cores, definitely within the division, but probably within the whole NFL because they brought in two free agents to try to kind of scab together a linebacking core. Um, you know, their defensive line is obviously really good. You know, you've got Khalil Mack and, and uh, Justin Ellis and Vanderdoes, and you, you've got some guys who are really good. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, I, I just think the defense is going to be really bad. This is going to be an over team. Um, they were negative 14 in turnover differential. The AFC West was really weird. You had the Chargers and Chiefs who were both plus double digits. It was 12 and 15. And then the Raiders were minus 14 and the Broncos were minus 17. So wow. hopefully hopefully you see a little bit of regression, kind of go back the positive way for the Raiders. And I think you will if the offense can kind of get, you know, especially Gruden. You would think Gruden, if anyone's going to come in and teach a little bit more ball control, I would think it would be him. Uh, but, you know, the defense to me is definitely the concern. They're going to be an explosive offense. Um, but, you know, and, and then you have Khalil Mack holding out right now too. And I don't think that's good just in general heading into a season when probably the one of the lone highlights of this defense and of this team is Khalil Mack, and he's holding out right now and he's disgruntled. Uh, you got to pay the guy and you got to get him in there because literally I, I had this, I messaged someone earlier on Twitter, but, you know, there's a big difference between being the 32nd defense in the league and being the 25th defense in the league. And I think that's what the difference will be. I think that's what the difference will be for Khalil Mack. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, you know, I think you're painting an appropriate picture of the defensive question marks. And I, you know, I will say, let's say, let's assume for now that they get the Khalil Mack situation dealt with um, Gruden out there floating trade, you know, trade options for him. Like stop. Like just, just get get this resolved. Get him into get him into camp. Um, the uh, they do have two semi promising rookies. It looks like in Maurice Hurst and Arden Key. Um, I don't know if these guys are long term fits because of health and because of character concerns, but maybe they contribute in certain spots during the course of this season. Um, and if the entirety of your defense is basically boomer bust on uh, on the back of um, the pass rush, then you're going to be an even team. Some week, some weeks you're going to look unstoppable and some weeks you're going to 
be, uh, you know, you're going to be giving up 350 to 400 yards passing and your team's not going to have a shot. So it's, you know, it's pretty, it's good. It's going to be an uneven season for the Raiders. And I don't think there's really any other way to put it. They're probably going to land right on their eight wins as, uh, as the, the, um, the bookies have lined it. And, um, I'll say this though, like there are a lot of spots on their schedule where I can see pretty clearly I'm going to be backing them or I'm going to be fading them. Um, I already know I'm looking. Yeah, go ahead. One, one, one thing to add in there is, and not to sound like a broken record. I know I just hammered the cheese on this, but the, the Raiders have a really tough first five games with the exception of playing Cleveland at home. They have the Rams on Monday night football to start the season. They go to Denver. Then they go all the way to Miami. I mean, you really mm-hmm. can't go much farther in the Too NFL. And then, they yep. put, and, then they, and then they play the Chargers in L.A. And I obviously I'm sure they'll have plenty of fans at that game, but they're going to be dogs before their first five games. So, you know, if you are high on the Raiders, I would hold off on them as well. I would wait and see what happens with those first five games because I think there's a very likely chance, you know, they drop two of those games. They might even drop three. So, you know, you might, there might be, it might even be more value to be had on the Raiders than what you're looking at now. Interesting. Uh, As far as game by game starting out the season, um, I do like them at home on Monday Night Football uh, against the Rams. I think that's a a spot where you're seeing a lot, a lot uh, of overreaction people betting the Rams because they think the Rams are going to be good over the course of the season and not really handicapping this particular game and matchup. Um, I would have lined it like a pick and we're seeing out there you can get Oakland plus three for a pretty decent price right now in that spot. And that's so that's that's a nice one. I like to take, back the Raiders. Take, take I go, the over. Take the over. It, take the <laughs> over. Yeah. I go hard in the other direction in their week two game. I'm going to I'm going to absolutely unload on the uh, on the Broncos to win that week two spot. Uh, with the Raiders heading up to altitude early in the season, that spells trouble every which way I can think of it. And as you mentioned, Miami week three, send them to the heat and the humidity all the way across the country, play them in, you know, early in the morning, second week on in a row on the road. That is a nightmare spot for them. A um, couple of good spots as you go farther down. Uh, you mentioned when they played the Chargers, they're gonna, that's going to be basically a second home game. Uh, for them against the Chargers. Uh, their week 14 spot where they play Pittsburgh is pretty interesting. I think the Oakland can give Pittsburgh a hell of a time. Uh, Pittsburgh, that's going to be, um, you know, kind of a, a, they're, they're going to be looking ahead to uh, playing the uh, Patriots, uh, potentially jockeying for some AFC positioning there. So Oakland should should catch Pittsburgh snooze in week 14. So it's weird that I've, feel so wishy-washy about this team over the course of the season. But then when I look at specific games, I can already tell you there's spots I'm going to be backing and fading them. So uh, kind of a funny season coming for the Raiders. And and it's going to be entertaining no matter how you how you handicap it with uh, with Chucky Gruden. So any final thoughts on the Raiders, Andy? Yeah, like Jay said, they're really a big wait-and-see t- wait team for me. I won't, uh, I won't be putting any preseason bets on them. As far as win total futures, anything like that, I really don't love betting a team if I don't feel strongly about them one way or the other. You know, as far as the the, the coaching situation and some of the question marks with the with the defense, I I think, like Jay said, you wait a little deeper into the season, see what's going on. Maybe you can maybe you can find some value on them one way or the other on the lines. And yeah, like you brought up, there are some there are some spots in the 
in the schedule where there's definitely some value on or against them just based on some perception already. I love it. Let's uh, move to the final and yeah, most uh, the worst team, I guess, technically the worst team in the division, <laughs> according to the odds, garbage dumpster fire of a team. <laughs> according to the books, this is not me saying this, Jake. <laughs> your, your, your fourth place Denver Broncos look to completely reshape uh, expectations this season. Um, we are not that far removed from world champion Denver Broncos, yet they sit at plus 450 to even win the West. Uh, I'm going to spoil the surprise here. Spoiler alert. Uh, I am all about this team. I love the Broncos. I love what they did in the offseason. Their draft, they look like they have some players that they absolutely hit slam dunks on. Uh, it's been safe, a couple of years. Safe to say they have the best draft. Safe to say they have the best draft. For At this point, I would I would uh, agree with that. I mean, we need to see what Chubb offers. If Chubb has a difficult time creating pressures, then, uh, you know, then. But he looks like a blue chipper for, for a while. So, we'll, and he should get some single, you know, some single coverage with all the other weapons they have in the pass rush. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they, they uh you know, I liked what they, I liked their approach. I liked what they did for short-term improvement, especially. Um, and um, their schedule is easy as I've seen any kind of reasonably good team in a long time. Uh, there are hardly any spots as I look down their schedule where I'm like, Ooh, that's going to be a tough one. I don't love week three uh, where they're going to have to go at Baltimore. Um you know, the Denver gets their last couple weeks of the preseason at home, and then they play their first two weeks of the regular season at home against Seattle and Oakland. Uh, and then they got to ship them out to Baltimore. Baltimore is going to have extra rest coming off of Thursday night football. That looks like a huge trouble spot for the Broncos. Um, but uh, short of that, there's really not had very many spots on the schedule that I'm, you know, concerned about their ability to be able to compete for a win. Uh, and all that said, their uh, win total is a uh, sad, paltry seven and a half. Um, Andy, do you want to before we before we before we uh, hear from our resident uh, Broncos season ticket holder? Uh, <laughs> are you with me in terms of being a, a, a buyer on this team and this squad? As a Vikings fan, as a person who watched, I watched a lot of football, but I guarantee I watched every Vikings game at least once there was just this feeling of dread. And I don't know if it had anything to do with case Keenum or if it had more to do with the fan that I am a fatalist Vikings fan. Who's been let down, you know, more times than I can remember, but case Keenum was a little wild. He was great at evading pressure, but every time he evaded pressure and just slung it kind of in an awkward position or off his front foot or at a weird angle, you just knew when the camera moved down, there was going to be some defender there waiting to grab it. And sure enough, Thielen or Diggs would come out of nowhere. Thielen with his damn yellow gloves that looked like flags <laughs> out of nowhere and grab it. And you, and the drive would go on. And so many times it would happen and you would thought I would got used to it and maybe expected it, but no, every time, I thought Case Keenum was about to throw some just horrible interception. And, I mean, he did that eventually. He waited for the NFC title game for some of that. <laughs> uh, I have question marks on him. 
I also, I have question marks if John Elway thinks you're a good quarterback. Like yeah. that, that, ma- yeah. that makes me wonder about him too. Like, hey, Elway <laughs> likes this guy. That can't be a good sign. So I, a little sketchy there. They got some good receivers. They're on the wrong side of 30, but maybe that won't matter. It's not like they're 40. Uh, Jake Butt getting healthy. Got a couple decent running backs. The defense is still intact. They got some great edge rushers. They did have a great draft. I think in a wide open, wide open AFC. <laughs> I got to find the ad. Plus, plus 260 to make the playoffs, I believe. Ooh. I don't think that's Ooh, a terrible that's nice. bet for half a unit. Um, they... They have a. They, were they last placed? Jay, were they, they in last were. place last year? Actually, I know. Yep. <laughs> yep. Jay, yeah, I know. But the, they have a. They have a last place schedule. They get some of their away games include the Jets, the Cardinals. They go to the Chargers with no home field advantage. They go to you know up to Oakland. Obviously, they go to Oakland, but uh, I don't think they have the toughest road schedule. They have some easier games. I like where their buy falls. They could be a, I think they're right in that seven to nine win area. And if some things fall the right way, nine wins probably gets you in the damn playoffs in the AFC. And I, I think we're going to say this. I'm going to say this about four or five teams as we go through the AFC previews, but plus 260 to make the playoffs, plus 450 to win the division. Those aren't terrible bets with a, a team that's, not far removed from you know being a top team in the AFC. I love this. I love it. Uh, let's continue the love fest, Jay. How how how? It'll be how... funny if he just shits on him. No, no, no. We're still a year away, um, Jay. Uh, reasonable expectations for the Broncos this year, Un- or unreasonable? <laughs> well, I, I, I know you were just talking about Elway. You know, Elway also like Paxton Lynch. So um, yeah, take right. that for what it's worth. Um, red flag, but, red flag. Yeah, red, red flag, red flag. Um, but so, you know, I, I'm going to try to not sound like a total homer. You know, obviously I've got some pros. I've also got a lot of concerns too with my Broncos, but um, history is sort of on Denver's side. Uh, since 1972, they've never had back-to-back losing seasons. Wow. So, so that, that's a big, a big piece of it. You know, last year uh, we started three and one and with the way our schedule shapes up here early again, I could see us having another strong start. We, we open up with Seattle and Oakland at home. We're going to be favored in both of those games. We do go to Baltimore, which will be the one game. We'll, we'll probably be dog first five weeks. Then we play Kansas city at home on prime time, Monday night football. And then we go travel to New York to play the jets, which are probably one of the soccer teams on our schedule. Um, our road schedule, like you said, I think does sort of play in our favor, uh, you know, outside of the divisional games, you know, maybe San Francisco and Baltimore, like you said, those might be the tough ones, but, you know, at New York Jets, at Arizona, at Cincinnati, those are, those are not, not daunting road games to go out and maybe get some wins. Um, but, you know, I, the concerns that I have about Denver really sort of two big pieces of it. One is that I think Vance Joseph is the worst coach in the NFL. And <laughs> I, 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 I honestly, I honestly think he's a moron. Um, listening to a press conference, the Vance Joseph press conference is about as unenjoyable as anything I've experienced in my life. Uh, 
And then, you know, we've had some offensive line issues, but Akib Tlaib leaving Denver, I think, is a huge story. Uh, we, you know, this was the no-fly zone. We had the best secondary in the league multiple years in a row, uh, even though our secondary is still very good. And Bradley Roby sort of is thrust into a starting role. I'm not sure that we have sort of that nickel back that is as good as Bradley Roby was. And I think we're asking a lot out of Bradley Roby. Um, yeah, there, there's some pieces there. We have some depth. It's just sort of a concern for me. I think Akib Tlaib is a rare talent in the NFL at, at corner. And I think that him and Chris Harris had such good chemistry together. And that played into Justin Simmons. And, and, and you know, even if you go back to the Super Bowl, you know, we just had such a chemistry. And I, I think Akib Tlaib leaving, you lose a leader in the locker room and you also lose a little bit of that chemistry in the secondary. So I, that is a big concern I have going into the season. However, what is the best friend of a secondary? It's a good pass rush. And mm-hmm. you bring in Bradley Chubb. And, you know, I'm not ready to give him the keys to the city. He is the favorite to win defensive rookie of the year. But I think we have so much depth when it comes to our pass rush because we've got Shane Ray, who, you know, essentially won't even probably be a week run starter. We've got Shelby Harris. We just are loaded on the defensive line and linebacking core, at least the outside linebacking core. So uh, I'm excited for the pass rush to see what they can do. And hopefully if we do have some deficiency in our secondary, that will sort of kind of fix those problems for us, right? If you've got Vaughn Miller breathing down your quarterback's neck, um, you know, maybe your your cover corner, you know, can get burnt from time to time and it not be a huge weakness. Um, But, you know, those are sort of the two big pieces, but then also I think a lot is going to come down to Jared Veld here. We got Veld here out of Arizona. He sort of was looked at. I know um, like pro football focus kind of had him having really kind of like a, a bad year, but he was hurt at the beginning of the year. And there was a big difference between what he did in the first six games of the year to what he did in the last 10 games of last season. So I think Jared Veld here, this offensive line, a lot kind of hangs in the balance with him because he's going to be our starting right tackle. That allows us to move Ron Leary, who his, his normal position is left guard. He played right guard last year. I think the offensive line could be better, but we don't really have any depth at tackle. We've got Garrett Bowles at left tackle. We've got Veld here at right tackle. If either one of those go, guys go down, we are right back to having tackles from last year. And obviously, mentally, Blockson does not have what it takes to be a starting right tackle for the Denver Broncos. But I do think you're going to see, you know, a progression for us uh, on the minus 17 turnover differential going to Case Keenum. Uh, I, I think I think he's a huge improvement. Bar none for me, I'm excited to see Case Keenum because we have not had any production really from our quarterback the last two seasons. So I'm, I'm real excited to move on, even if Case Keenum – doesn't live up to you could say three maybe the bullet. <laughs> yeah no yeah, yeah i shit on i shit on keenum a little there but i still think it's an upgrade boy it's it's been rough especially coming off even even noodle armed manning that last year was he was still a i mean let's we'll just say it he was a genius out yeah. on the field like to go from that to what you've had for the past few years that's that sucks 
Like yeah. every everybody has been under center for the past few years. It's just just been a, a near disaster every game. It's been a rotating door of three garbage men, and th- this this could be a nice little upgrade. I will also say from the coverage I've seen it from camp, like you can tell that the play the vets on this team are excited to have the quarterback position, like some certainty there, and a guy that they believe in, a guy that they are like this guy's a leader. We we finally have this figured out. We're not. You know, we're not working with the project here. We have a guy we can, you know, we can go to battle with, uh, you know, across the board. Every vet we heard from uh, interviewed at camp was, you know, singing his praises. And I think that I think that that's meaningful, uh, especially because the defense to me last year wasn't like the players weren't good anymore. It was just like they were tired of carrying the team. Like they broke down in some positions. They were like, we're not going to win this game. Why, why bother tackling against the Rams when they lost like whatever, 50 to 10, you know, like it, it, it wasn't like they were bad players. They just, they were out of gas and they were tired of carrying the team. Uh, so I think you'll, I think you'll definitely see, you know, a, a bounce back year from them overall. Uh, a cra- crazy stat that they haven't had back-to-back losing seasons going back to 1972. That's her. That's incredible. Um, mm-hmm. And uh you know, I, but you're right. Vance Joseph is uh, having the he, time of his life. <laughs> he's having, having the, the time, time of his life. life. Yes. Oh my God. He's having the time of his life, and he is probably, you know, I, I think he retains his job after this year because I do like his, the chances to make the playoffs. But um, you know, he maybe only has one more year as a head coach after this year. Um, would you rather make the playoffs and bring Vance Joseph back, or would you rather just miss the playoffs and get rid of him, Jay? I, I, I want to miss the playoffs. I, I, here's the deal. I think, I, I think that we have a window with this defense. I think this defense is still built like a championship defense. I know Akeem Tlaib, I'm concerned about him leaving, but our pass rush should be this, – this very well could be the best pass rush we've ever had. Uh, even if you go to that year, I know we lost Malik Jackson, but he was more of a run stopper, um, you know, a run stopping piece that we lost. But I, I'm really excited to see what the defense can do. I know that our offense will be better because there's only one way to go. So I, I know we're going to be better. Case Keenum will make us better uh, on the offensive side. We're not going to go minus 17 in turnover differential. It's a mind boggling stat. Um, one thing we didn't do a lot of was forced turnovers on the defensive side. Obviously, Simeon, Brock, whoever played quarterback for us, they all three picks. But um, we didn't create a lot of turnovers, and I think we will create more turnovers on defense. We'll have less turnovers on offense with Case Keenum. And if we can get, you know, a guy like Jake Butt to step up and be like the tight end that sort of we're hoping he can be and maybe get some production out of a tight end. I, I was talking with Andy earlier that last year all of our starting tight ends combined for 50 catches and like 657 yards and five oh my goodness so we are not getting anything from the tight end position and it's probably going to be a battle between Hewerman and jake but so you have a battle for your, your big 10 tight end whichever one you like if you're an ohio state fan <laughs> and michigan fan you kind of you kind of have both sides there but um if jake buck can come in and give us any resemblance of a tight end uh you know then i think we'll have some success offensively um you know i i'm not I haven't made any bets yet, but if I was going to put out an AFC West bet, I probably would put a little on Denver uh, at like what is it plus four fifty right now? Four forty. Yeah. yeah. 
So I, I would probably trickle a little out there just because the odds are in our favor and they've got a soft schedule to start the year. So, you know, maybe, maybe I do that. And then maybe I try to, you know, if LA loses a couple games early or Kansas city loses as many as I think they're going to lose early, maybe then I grab a couple of these and I end up taking like, you know, a plus 500, a plus 450 and a, a plus 350. And I just say, Hey, anyone but the Raiders wins it and I'm good. But um, but I, I don't know for sure, but I, I am, I, I'm real excited about our draft class. We're going to have some, we're going to have some running back questions. Um, we're going to have some running back questions with Royce Freeman. Is he going to be the guy? Is Devontae Booker going to be the guy? But, you know, I think all in all, our offense is going to improve and our defense should really kind of hold path. Maybe the secondary is worse, but I think our, I think our defensive line and linebacking core is better. So. All right, bold yeah, predictions just, for the AFC West. Let's go yeah, around one, then let's wrap that, this up. Well, just real quick, like Jay has said this a few times already. the 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 worst team is obviously Cleveland. Like, just they they messed up bad all the time. But Denver was the second worst for giveaway takeaway or give giveaway takeaway kind of stats, uh, whatever you want to call it. That ratio at minus seventeen, the differential, like that will regress. That that is such a hard thing to overcome when you were essentially you're minus one in the turnover ratio per game. Like that that's gonna be mm. tough all year long. If the defense steps up a little and the quarterback play improves, even if you get towards zero. I mean, last <laughs> year, a, t- a team that was yeah. zero, here's some teams around zero. Pittsburgh, Chicago, Dallas. I mean, the, it's not like well, Pittsburgh, you know, was in the playoffs, but Chicago and Dallas, like. Those aren't great teams. It doesn't take a great team to be around zero. They, they really need to tighten that up. And if they do, that's 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 going to be just so monstrous for them to actually be in some games because they're getting some turnovers and not giving it away on the regular. So oh, bold you know prediction: what? Broncos, twelve and twelve and four. Okay, wait, hey, that's very bold. <laughs> I was <laughs> I was thinking bold. just AFC West in general. Uh, okay, uh, we forgot one very important thing about the Broncos. Uh, they are going to win the special teams battle. They are going to have a massive home field advantage with uh, Marquette King kicking punts uh, in the thin air. Um, if you choose to fade the Denver Broncos this season, do not do it at, my, at mile high. Just don't. Uh, they are going. You know the 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 impact that's going to have on the game is going to be significant this year. Um, that's not my bold prediction. That's like facts. Um, my bold prediction. I think we're going to see. The AFC West decided week 17 in Denver chargers come to town. Both teams are going to be nine and six. Uh, and the winner of that game takes the AFC West with 10 wins. Jay, do you got a bold prediction for the AFC West? I would love it. If, uh, if that comes true, just, just on a side note, um, cause I'll be there. I'll have tickets. So <laughs> December 30th, um, the day before new year's Eve. Yeah, it'll probably be a damn blizzard too. So it'll be a snowmageddon <laughs> game. <clears throat> um, you know, do I have any crazy bold predictions? Uh, you know, as far as something I was just looking at, um, it was the Chiefs and the Chargers kind of alternate unders. Um, I, I could see it. I see it. I see one of those two teams having a really down year out of nowhere. You know, these are the top two teams projected to win the AFC West. And I, I just feel it in my bones. It's probably going to be the Chiefs. And I think there's a really good chance, 
you can get an alternate under. I think you said seven and a half was a pretty good number. You know, maybe if you take seven, it's probably like plus three hundred some odd. You know, that might be yeah. kind of that might be kind of the play. Um, but you know, I like I said, I I don't have anything crazy bold out of here. I was um, I do kind of like Bradley Chubb to win Defensive Rookie of the Year. I think it's kind of a a really bad class for defensive rookies this year. Uh, Roquan Smith still holding out. He hasn't showed up to training camp for the Bears. Um, that's kind of odd to see. And I, I just don't think there's a lot of guys in such a great position as him uh, to kind of come in and make a ton of noise year one. Um, so I do really like Bradley Chubb. Uh, I've, I've already put a little bit on that, actually, plus 375. I think I got it like plus 400 the other day. Um, but that that's going to be sort of some of the best I'm going to be rolling with, but I don't really have a huge bold prediction for you. No, that's fine. Plus uh, plus 300. That works. That, that's a, that's a good, uh, that's a good one to look for. And I like the way you broke that down. Uh, it is a, it is a pretty weak defensive uh, rookie class. So uh, if he can get a handful of sacks in which he should, because he's going to be playing opposite Von Miller, uh, let it ride, man. Um, okay. Let's take a quick break and then uh, let's roll on to do the. Uh, you you missed my real seven. my real one. Oh, what's your real bold prediction? Because that one was yeah. really bold. <laughs> Week sixteen, Kansas City goes to Seattle for the oddest quarterback matchup of the year: Chad Henney versus Austin <laughs> Davis. I think at that point they'll have given up on the Mahomes experiment. Oh it's goodness. such a disaster oh that they just can't God. play him anymore. And Russell Wilson will be in traction at that point from the offensive line, letting him get hit hundreds of times. Okay. So I was sitting here looking so, at backups while you guys are talking. So skip so skip week sixteen, KC at Seattle. So it sounds like you would go under seven as well at plus two forty five on the Chiefs. Okay. Well, good stuff. Let's take a quick break and then let's come back and do the NFC South. And we're back. Uh, the NFC South, again, another super competitive division. I wouldn't say you have four teams that have a chance to win the NFC South, but you absolutely have three, according to the bookmakers. Um, I would say it's a two-horse two race myself. Um, but uh, we sit here and see Saints uh, about plus 175, uh, plus 170. Um, we see the Falcons about plus 190. So pretty close uh, probability there between those two uh, at the top of the pile. Uh, coming in third was the third of the NFC South teams to make the playoffs last year, the Carolina Panthers at plus 270. And then all the way at the very sad little bottom is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at plus 1,200. Uh, better odds that Dirk Cutter is the first coach fired than that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win the NFC South. Yeah. <laughs> so. in, the, in the AFC West, we absolutely could not ignore the fourth team listed. This is a different story. That's uh, not, <laughs> not high on them. Why don't we start I, with the bottom and get get the bucks we, out of the we, way quick? We just get them out of the way. Yeah, let's let's start yeah. the bottom and go up. Let's start the bottom. James James is an idiot. He's getting in trouble still. He apparently didn't. I mean, it was a couple. It wasn't like he did this in the you know just a month ago. But the whole Uber driver thing and I mean, if he's going to continue to be like that as an adult, kind of makes you wonder if he has a maturity level to lead an NFL team. And obviously, we saw some of the results they had last year. Good receivers, okay, okay, 
not an okay defense, I don't think. Not at times. I, I don't love anything about them. Pass defense think, especially. Yeah, the pass defense horrible. really got just and, – and, you know, they play Breeze twice. They play Ryan twice. Even if the Panthers struggle, Cam Newton can sling the ball a country mile. Like, it's going to be a problem if the pass defense is shit. It's going to be shit, and I – They'll probably win the division now that we we were high on them last. <laughs> we were high on them last year in the chat, and now this year we're just gonna write them off and they'll win it. So I don't know. Yeah, if anyone has any hot takes on Tampa, I would uh, love to hear them. Okay, so I'll I'll give you a a, a medium take and then a hot take. So uh, we know James Winston is suspended for three weeks, uh, and and Ryan Fitzmagic is going to be out there uh, against uh, some pretty stiff competition. <laughs> and, uh, absolutely, absolutely. Maybe the three toughest teams in their schedule all backed up right in a row: New Orleans, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh. Boom, boom, boom! Out of the gate, um, their season win totals opened at six and a half and got hammered to the under. It's down to six. Um, Dirk Cutter, as we mentioned, is high on the list of likely first coaches fired, uh, and their general manager and just their draft boardroom brain trust. Uh, pulled off one of the most bizarre uh, draft day decision-making processes that I've seen in a while. Um, after being, you know, heavily linked to Derwin James uh, in the draft process, uh, and Derwin James would have filled an immediate, huge, huge need in the secondary for them. Uh, instead of drafting him, they traded down, uh, and lo and behold, Derwin James fell. And he was still available for them when they tr- after they traded down. Uh, but instead of taking the obvious choice to plug a gaping hole, they drafted a run-stopping defensive tackle from Washington, Vita Vey, who's already having injury issues. Hurt. Yeah, yeah. I and, think in, in the draft we did our draft preview pod. I think all three of us had had Derwin slotted to go to Tampa. It was such and they, a perfect and they, yeah, they, they missed on him and then it's like, oh now they'll take him. And nope. Yeah, that was weird. I, I forgot about that. That is that was weird. I other than the the taking running backs in the first round of the draft, I think taking a run stopping defensive tackle is maybe even it is close to as egregious, and then uh, they did it with a guy on the board who they could have absolutely plugged and played. I thought that was a, a disaster. Um and Tampa Bay, uh, not a lot to be hopeful here. They still don't have a kicker. They still don't have uh, a uh, you know an offensive identity. Um, and uh, Mike Evans is is a fine component, pass offense wise. Um, I know that James Winston has shown he's shown more flashes of relative competence than you would expect. And I think it's shaded a little bit by his off field ridiculousness that we kind of assume that he's just, he's, you know, on the road to being a bust. Um, he has done fine, uh, when, you know, in, in, you know, in, you know, a reasonably large sample of his career to this point. Um, it's just that there's, God awful stuff in between it. <laughs> and now he's out for the first three games. Um, but he's coming up on like a make or break moment as he kind of comes on, come, you know, comes back to the team, potentially 0 and 3. Uh, he's going to have to lead them to some competent play if he's going to retain his job. Uh, I know they picked up his fifth year option, but you kind of have to do that uh, with the way quarterback's pay structure is. Um, so 
you know, it's not like he's going to lose his job after this year, but I also could see, you know, Tampa Bay moving on if things don't get right. Uh, And uh, as Andy mentioned, they have a ridiculously hard schedule. Uh, No matter how you measure strength of schedule, Tampa Bay is probably in your top three. Um, The fact that they have to play Atlanta and New Orleans twice is a nightmare. Um, And, uh, and yeah, not a lot to look forward to if you're a Bucs Yeah, just for a, for a last place team, they got pretty dicked for schedule. (laughs) They did. They did. Not great spots. My hot take, the only hot take on Tampa is that uh, I think they can beat Pittsburgh week three. Uh, this is a sandwich spot that we talked about when we did the uh, uh, the um, situational pod. Uh, Pittsburgh early in the season, out of conference, on the road. This is like that that tailor made spot that they let down, um, and I could see Tampa Bay somehow eking out a weird win there, and everybody's scratching their heads like, "Whoa, what the hell?" Um, Pittsburgh's done it week three two years in a row. They did it at, when they played Philly two years ago, and they did it when they played. Uh, Chicago last year. So um, that's about all I can say positive about Tampa. And that might be the only time I back them all season. <laughs> so, uh, Jay, what are your thoughts on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? And uh, what should they do with the first overall pick in the 2019 draft? <laughs> <laughs> well, to get, get somebody for their secondary, for the love of God. Um, yeah. I, you know, there when I, when I broke down NFC South, there were a lot of head-scratching draft selections made throughout the entire NFC South. So Via Vea, was by far the number one. I was like, what the hell? That's Gerald McCoy's like clone. Like that's the one position they don't need to fill right now. <laughs> yes, um, exactly. <laughs> I mean, so it, just, exactly. it didn't make any sense. Uh, you know, they also brought in Pierre Paul and Vinnie Curry in the off season um, to replace Ayers and Baker. So, I mean, they, they kind of reconstructed a defensive line around McCoy. And that's, if I'm going to find a pro, that's definitely one of them. They're going to have a great defensive line, but unfortunately, their secondary is garbage. Their linebacking core is not very good. Um, they also potentially Peyton Barber might be their running back week one. Uh, I know they've Oof. got uh, what they've got Quiz Rogers. Yeah, it's not good. That's not a good situation. And then you're going to have Winston suspended for three games. And like you said, um, th- that's probably the toughest three games on the whole schedule. They do get two of them at home, but you know you got the defending world champs and and Pittsburgh coming to town, they're probably going to be catching a touchdown at home in both those games. Um, so it, it's, it's kind of tough. The, the one thing that they did do um, is sort of moving pieces around. Um, you know, they, it sounds like they're going to be able to kind of have a dual threat between Howard and Bray. Now it sounds like Howard's kind of mm-hmm. progressed um, to a good level. So, you know, d- they had like an okay draft. Uh, Ronald Jones might end up being their starting running back. Who knows? But I don't think it really, this draft doesn't immediately help them this season. So for that, for all those reasons, basically I am kind of low on them. So, you know, you can get under five and a half for plus 121. I think I saw this morning, um, obviously going to wait a little bit closer to the season kickoff, but you know, I think they were five and 11. I think they went five and 11 last year. I think, that that sounds about right to me. Maybe even four and twelve. There's a lot of reasons to be low on this team, but um, you know, if their defensive line plays to their very best ability, um, and Winston comes back from suspension and plays his heart out, he has weapons um, to throw to. Uh, so you know, maybe maybe they could threaten that. But I I think this is a definitely a team. And also, you have to look at their division. Um, the Panthers, Saints, and Falcons. Those are all those, all six games are going to be tough there, right? 
it's going to be hard for them to navigate through that division and win two games. Maybe it's going to yeah. be tough. So Ooh, yeah, that's um, high. Yeah. <laughs> it could yeah, be zero. So, <laughs> yeah. Or it could yeah. be one. Maybe they beat the Panthers at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could, that, that would be, that would be the only one I'd, I could give them right now. So mm-hmm. let's uh, let me ask you, I want, I just want, yeah, yeah Panthers, Panthers next, Panthers Panthers next but to give something positive to the Tampa Bay fans, uh, the, Maybe draft uh, some of their wide receivers or tight ends in fantasy and catch some some of the junkyards that are going to be racked up at the end of these games when they're uh, when things are out of reach and they're trying to play catch up. Uh, they could be fantasy darlings. Um, this could be an over team. Uh, the um, let's talk about Carolina Panthers. <sighs> what the hell, man? They See, had, I might be I might be more negative what on the these. Hell? I might be too. What well, the hell, man? Just as we speak, oh, too. They, they had so. They lose Norwell in free agency, or huge, however you want. Huge, yeah. huge blow. Huge. And blow. now, now two linemen out with knee injuries, surgery. As uh, I can't, I can't see his name. Aminu, Daryl Williams and and Aminu, blah, 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 blah. yeah, yeah. yeah he, he's actually the one that got hurt. That ended up Norwell stepped in and got the job like four years ago. Yeah, they bring him in again, and he's done. He's done. So. An already problem offensive line loses their best player, and then two more before even playing a preseason game. One for the year, and I don't know. I don't know if the uh, if the other one's uh, they'll probably both gone for the year. Yeah, yeah like, like it's it's a meniscus surgery. Like yeah, that, that, I mean that's all between that and the coaching. Like that's yeah. enough for me to be very down on them. You don't even have to talk about the defense at any point. They just. Right there, I'm I'm so down on on them. If Cam Newton has to scramble constantly, that's going to be such a problem. Yeah, he might. He so might let's be talk dead. about Cam. Might let's, talk, let's, let's, let's let's put a finer point on this because I you're you're hitting it right on the head. Uh, they had a, a pretty uh, uninspiring offensive approach last year under Mike Shula that was only successful to the tune of getting them to the playoffs because Cam Newton played absolutely spectacularly in a handful of games when he really had to. Um, and, and maybe really even more than Cam Newton, the, the defense, uh, you know, stepped up uh, in key situations last year to get them wins that, that got them into the playoffs. Um, they got blanked by the saints three times, uh, including in the playoffs. And um they fired Mike Shula. When that happened, I was like, oh, nice. Cam Newton in his prime. Let's get this guy a young, innovative offensive mind to work with. And let's really let's really challenge the league for the next couple of years here. Uh, what do they do? They bring in Norv freaking yeah. Turner. Norv Turner? Are you kidding me? This guy hasn't run Norval. a competitive. Norval. Norval hasn't run a competitive offense in this league since 1993. And you expect that he's going to be able to go toe to toe with the likes of, uh, you know, uh, Sean Payton and uh, some of the other brilliant minds across the NFC. No, no, I'm sorry. And maybe if you had, you know, a world-class Dallas level of offensive line protecting Cam Newton, then then an offensive approach like North Turner's would work. Um, But guess what you have? You have Matt Khalil at left tackle who, when he's not committing false start and holding penalties, he needs significant help inside of him. And Andrew Norwell was that help and they let him walk. 
he's gone. He's in Jacksonville. And his replacement just gets hurt. And now you're on a third, effectively a third string guy who's going to have to help out your left tackle on Cam Newton's blind side. Cam Newton, by the way, who's gotten popped in the head a ton to this point in his career. Uh, all of this, no matter how you slice it, spells disaster for this team. Oh, yeah. I would line concussion at minus 500. <laughs> at some yeah, point, yeah. at least a yeah. concussion test, minus yeah. 2,000. He yeah. will be looked at for a concussion. I mean, you're <laughs> if you're a Panthers fan, you are going to get sick to your stomach watching him do seven-step dropbacks and running for his life. It is just going to be, uh, you know, it is just going to be uh, tough to watch. That's all. That's all I can say. Uh, you add to that, their schedule is extremely tough. Uh, not only do they have to play some very tough teams in the NFC South, um, but the way their schedule was set up is tough. Four times they have to go um, uh, playing against a team coming off extra rest from Thursday night football. We talked about last week. Uh, what an advantage that is for the team getting the extra rest. Um, they get it's more of an advantage than a buy. If you seriously, as far as a betting line goes, like uh, it's true. It's it's less adjusted for than a buy is. So yes. it's, yeah. it's, it's going to be tough if you're not only the Panthers, just from a fan standpoint, but backing the Panthers, they could be pretty bad against the spread team also. Yeah. Two, so, uh, two times, two times they have to go. Two times they have to go back to back on the road. Uh, one time they got to play Philly, who's getting extra rest. I, I, you know, there there is a lot to be concerned about this team. Uh, my 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 singular hope is that somehow they look competent through the first couple weeks of the season, or maybe maybe they beat Dallas week one. They cover the spread maybe against Atlanta, uh, and you know, cover the spread against Cincinnati or something like that. Because I really, really would like there to be line value through the middle part of this season so I can just fade this team week in, week out um, as they play teams uh, who are going to be a nightmare for them to match up against when, as it comes to uh, protecting the passer. Um, and I want nothing to do with their, uh, with their season wins over. I think it's probably worthwhile to consider their season wins alternative unders uh, because if things go sideways – they might have to pull Cam out and give him extended rest um, to keep him alive. <laughs> I mean, this is as bad. This is how bad this uh, offensive line has the potential to be this season, and it could completely undo this team. Um, defensively, they still can't. Um, they still can't play particularly good pass defense. Uh, and um, yeah, the 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 way this is not a team constructed for 2018. Uh, uh, National Football League. Um, Jay, are we overreacting here on the Panthers? Can you can you refute any of this negativity that we're just you know careening downhill with? Just player haters ball. So here. so eight and a half <laughs> is I think eight and a half is pretty aggressive regular season win total for them. I, I definitely lean under on eight and a half, um, and, and I think you could you could look at some alternate totals there. You know, I think. The, the biggest thing when I look at the Panthers is, you know, they got rid of Josh Norman right after the Super Bowl and their, their first draft right after they were like, Oh, we're going to get all these corners and we're going to load up on corners and we're not going to miss Josh Norman. Well, this secondary is still a nightmare. It's been a nightmare since the Super Bowl. It continues to be a nightmare. And then they actually have an okay pick um, early pick and, you know, they end up taking DJ Moore uh, just to kind of give more weapons even though they went out and got Torrey Smith in the off season. Um, and, you know, 
they basically didn't address their corner situation. They did draft a safety in a corner, but Dante Jackson is 5'10", 178. That's, not, that's an undersized corner. Ooh. I don't. You don't want to bring it when you when you've got a bad secondary. Bringing in an undersized corner is not what's going to help you. Um, they also on the defensive line. Um, they they, uh, they lost Charles Johnson and Lotu Lele, and they brought mm-hmm. in Don Terry Poe. Which so Don Terry Poe for Lotu Lele, I get it, but you lose Charles Johnson, so their defensive line's not going to be any better. Um, so I mean, Luke Keekley and Peppers not really getting anyone to kind of help them. Um, you know, I think the defense is definitely taking a step in the wrong direction. Um, you know, you can look at maybe if I'm looking for a positive on the offensive side, you know, adding CJ Anderson, they did lose Jonathan Stewart, but it's really hard to kind of find like a silver lining for this team, um, who really needed a lot of help, especially in their secondary. And they just didn't make it happen. It just didn't happen this off season. And really, and they didn't really draft anyone for corner last year because I think, they thought everything was fine, but then Daryl Worley left. He was one of their picks from 2016. He started, I think, two straight years for them. Um, so, you know, it's tough. Uh, I don't. There's not really anything I can find. I think eight and a half in a division where you have the Falcons and the Saints leading the charge, it's going to be tough for them to get to nine. It's going to be real tough for them to get to nine. Yeah. They, they, uh, they lost their defensive coordinator for the second consecutive year as well. Um, McDermott left to go to Buffalo last year. Steve Wilkes left to go to Arizona this year. Uh, so good luck, uh, Carolina Panthers fans. I, I would say that your best hope as a Panthers fan is that, you know, s- things go so sideways early enough in the season that Cam gets kind of an extended off season, extended rest. Um, and they, they wipe the slate clean. They get a new general manager. They get a new head coach and coordinators. Uh, and you get a fresh start with a, a healthy Cam Newton heading into 2019 because uh, uh, 2018, 2018 looks has trouble written all freaking over it. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll be fading them uh, quite a lot, I think, in game, <laughs> game to game. Um, so let's uh, let's talk about the contenders now. Um, this is this is where it gets interesting with the. Uh, NFC South. Um, books are saying it's pretty much a coin flip, Saints and Falcons. Um, I have a tough time really taking a stand here for either one of these teams. Uh, let's talk about the Falcons first. Dan Quinn uh, is now firmly established there as their head coach. Uh, he obviously took this team to the Super Bowl, took them to within a few minutes of winning their first Super Bowl. Uh, and, um, you know, a lot of that success at that time was because Kyle Shanahan crafted a really, really innovative offense and, you know, Matt Ryan balled out at age 30 and, uh, you know, Julio Jones was in his prime. Uh, they had a dynamic dual threat running attack with Freeman and and Coleman. Um, and, uh, they, you know, they just were clicking on all cylinders and, 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 you know, with a very suspect defense made it all the way to the Super Bowl and again within you know a quarter of 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 hoisting the trophy. Uh Kyle Shanahan leaves. Uh and um Steve Sarkeesian takes over. That was a downgrade. Uh oh, yeah, and it was <laughs> it was a downgrade. Uh there were a number of games uh where they stalled in the red zone. Even with all of the same talent on the field, uh, same guys, 
a year older, no major downgrades on personnel department, uh, just the play calling itself um, caused significant, um, you know, significant issues for, uh, for the Falcons and, and their, you know, in key moments, it felt like week in, week out. Um, there was, you know, there was on the other side of the ball, you know, two years ago, the Falcons defense was pretty bad. Uh, they were all very young. Their 2016 draft class had a ton of promise, um, but it was obvious that it was going to take those guys a couple of years to really kind of come into their own. Uh, and last year was kind of the transition year, I felt like, from, uh, a, you know, a Kyle Han- Shanahan offensive juggernaut to what this year might be more of a defensive-minded um, or at least balanced, I guess, uh, team. Um, Atlanta was... Uh, you know, yards per play darlings, uh, but they just never seem to put it all together in terms of winning games. Uh, their one maybe brightest moment of the whole season was their playoff win against the Rams. I felt like that was maybe as close as we ever got to seeing like the true Falcons last year. Um, and it was impressive. And they followed that up by uh, coming within uh, goal line stand against the who eventual world champion Philadelphia Eagles from going to the NFC championship game. Um, I think there's a lot of reasons to be bullish about the Falcons chances to win the NFC this year beyond just the NFC South. Um, am I, you know, am I missing something glaring here? Andy, did the Falcons really have a shot to, uh, to go back to the Super Bowl? And it's in Atlanta, by the way, it would be one of the, uh, uh, the first home Super Bowls. Uh, yeah, they, we came oh so oh so close oh, last so, year. Are we going to actually? Are we going to actually have it this year? Ah, <laughs> uh, the tough division, toughish schedule, tough to tough to get things done with Sarkeesian. I think there's some there's some big problems. I think out of the whole league. The Falcons and the Steelers ran some of the most head-scratching plays at the most head-scratching times. And, oh, man, just the, the fades to the corner of the end zone from the one-yard line. Like I, You talk about the the game against the Eagles in the playoffs. The, the play calling when they had those four chances to essentially win the game at the end. Like, yeah. I hated all of them. I all, had they were all had awful. Some, yes, I had some four. Falcons four for four. Too. Yeah, four for four, awful. Um, hopefully, you know, you always wonder, like, hey, we're just some guys on the internet. And we can <laughs> see this. Like everybody, can, like, you always wonder, do teams are they self aware? Like teams that do the same shit over and over. We joked about Andy Reid and his timeout thing. Like, does he not know he fucking sucks at? using timeouts and clock management. He's been in the league for like 30 years. Do people not hear this stuff that media, it's not like, you know, just media fluff. This is real talk. Steve Sarkeesian ran some really odd plays. Like, so hopefully like the people get that and someone pulls them aside and tells them not to do that or, or they, they bring someone in to, you know, like the special offensive assistant or whatever it is. I think that's going to be huge because they have the weapons. They need the scheme. They need the play calling. And I think they can be fine. I think they can make the playoffs. I think they can even make a run. I I don't know how I feel about the Saints. There was kind of a, a thing brought up by someone as far as the schedule the second half of the year. Tough division. I don't know if I could pick the Saints or the Falcons. 
maybe if you if you feel like we feel about Carolina and Tampa, I mean, essentially pick the Falcons and Saints, bet them both to win the division. You're getting that's like what minus it's like a minus one fifty bet then. Let me try to make a case. Let me make a stronger case for the Falcons. Uh, and you're, you, you laid it out that those four plays on the goal line. Uh, do you? <laughs> I, I can't even bring myself to to try to understand what the thinking was. The fourth and the fourth and goal was maybe the worst, uh, where they uh, they rolled Matt Ryan. Oh, they rolled him sprinting out to the right. They put uh, they put both their wide receivers, you know, in the, in the same space with three defensive backs. I, I mean, it was it was with your season on the line, really. That's that's your play call. Um, you know, their second and goal, they did like a, a, a Matt Ryan shovel pass. Uh, to a to a a running back who hadn't played more than like a handful of snaps all season. It, it was just a disaster. Um, but Jay, can I can I uh, try to make a, a stronger case here? Um, the Falcons finished their season with three out of four road games. Okay, uh, including in the last two weeks of the season at Carolina at Tampa Bay. Uh, I feel like maybe more than any of the other contenders, especially in the NFC, it is going to be paramount that the Falcons win their division. Like New Orleans, you know, the, the it's that everyone obviously, obviously wants to win your division. That's the primary goal that every team will quote as they come into the season. But when you look at the Falcons, they're not going to make a run through the NFC. NFC coming in as a wild card, especially as you go at Carolina, at Tampa Bay, week 16, week 17, and then at, uh, you know, a division winner week in the first week of the playoffs. Like you're, you're not winning five games in a row to go to the Super Bowl. So I really feel like their entire uh, hopes for a playoff run this year are contingent on winning the South. Is that fair to say? Oh, I agree. As far as, you know, the Falcons actually making noise, you know, Sarkeesian, I, just to kind of, touch on that tidbit you know he struggled in big games um really i mean you know they played new england uh i think that total in that game was in the high 50s and they scored seven points uh they scored (laughs) nine points they scored nine points against minnesota and you have an offense that is just absolutely loaded with playmakers and matt ryan threw for 173 yards now i'm not discrediting minnesota's defense very good pass defense very good all-around defensive unit but with this offense to get nine points and seven points against two of the better teams on your schedule, like, uh, yeah, he's a nightmare um, for me. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's big, you know, that they do they do come in and win this division. And, and there's, you know, a couple big games for them on their schedule. Obviously, right out of the gate, week three, they have New Orleans at home. Uh, that's a must-win game for them. And then, you know, they, they, they're going to have to hold serve against the Panthers, which has kind of been um, an Achilles heel of theirs, you know, not, not being able to, to really take out Carolina. I know last year they lost to them in a close game and then beat them at the end of the year to get them into the postseason. Uh, I guess they all got in, but, um, but, you know, they, when you look at this team uh, on the offensive side of the ball, they're loaded top to bottom and they just brought in Calvin Ridley, who is definitely going to see playing time with the departure of Taylor Gabriel. So, you know, this offensive unit should be able to put up points against everyone in their division, and they should be able to score more than nine points. But I'm not really buying into Atlanta. 
Um, the team that I have winning the division is the Saints. Um, okay. So I, I'm I'm just not bought into yeah. do it. <laughs> they do, only, do they it only allowed Minnesota to score 14, and they still didn't cover as a dog. Yeah, incredible. Like, that, was, uh, that was a rough game if you took Atlanta. I think if I think that this was I think last year was a transition year, and we're going to see a pretty solid defense from the Falcons this year. Um, obviously they need to get a, They need to generate a pass rush. They need Vic Beasley to be their guy. Um, they need to, uh, you know, they need to find a replacement for Don Terry Poe. Um, and, you know, I think, but I think, you know, their 2016 defensive draft was very good. Um, and Dan Quinn's had two years to coach these guys up. I think you're going to see some pretty impressive, uh, some pretty impressive play for this crew. Um, yeah. Deion Jones is an absolute stud. He is. He's great. He's great. Keanu Neal. He's great. Uh, they have some true talent in their secondary, which is, you know, you know, you absolutely have to have it uh, to be a contender. Um, f- as far as Sark goes, he's, he, he showed, there was even worse ones than the ones you mentioned. They lost at home to the dolphins and the bills. Like, <laughs> like there was some absolute stinkers for the Falcons last year. Uh, and uh, you know, Maybe with a full off season of knowing the guys he's got to to work with, and and maybe with you know with uh, having learned some hard lessons uh, last year it was his first season as an offensive coordinator in the NFL. He's a little better this year, um, but I'm willing to not count on that because I do think the Falcons' defense is going to be better. Um, but yeah, they got a tough ass schedule. It is very tough. Uh, they start Week One at Philly Banner Night. Uh, they got to go uh, up to the link uh, and try to beat the uh, the world champs. So it's going to be fascinating to watch. Um, and I cannot wait for the season to start. Uh, I, I mean, God, did just we, talking did we about just this, crown this the so Saints? Excited. I mean, we, we really didn't have a ton. Oh, we didn't have a ton of nice things to say about anything. Did we just de facto crown the Saints there? Uh, I mean, the Saints. I can't, I, I'm not excited about that either. It's tough, man. The Saints have a really tough schedule too. Uh, they, they got, they have some really tough situational spots. We talked about it last week. Uh, you know, three, three uh, road games in four weeks, right in the middle: Baltimore, Minnesota, and Cincinnati, all on the road. Uh, what is your reward? Well, you got three home games against the Rams, the the Eagles, and the Falcons. Like good, good list. And then uh, after that, you got to go on the road three weeks in a row at Dallas, at Tampa, at Carolina. Uh, really, really, really tough schedule situation-wise. Um, all that said, New Orleans uh, did it last year in impressive fashion. With uh, I, I was a doubter on the Saints last year. I was like ready to drop a nugget on their alt team wins unders uh, because I was like, we saw Drew Brees heading into the 20 post 2016 off season. He was, he looked like he had a dead arm. He looked like his career was over. Uh, and I was like, man, they're going to trap this thing out again. They're going to, you know, they didn't really, they, you know, they drafted some players who I hadn't really heard of, who I didn't know were going to be as good as they were. Lattimore was a freaking spectacular at cornerback last year. Marcus Williams, their safety. Did you know that he didn't miss a tackle all season? He didn't give up a busted play until the very last play against the Vikings. That was the first one all season that he missed. Um, he sounds like he's redoubled his efforts to get better as a player in the offseason on the back of that uh, uh, missed uh, missed play. And um, uh, you add to that Kamara, 
uh, now in his second year in the league as a bona fide uh, bell cow running back. Uh, they are going to be without Mark Ingram for the first four weeks of the season because of a drug suspension. Um, so they're going to lean on Kamara pretty heavily those first four weeks. And uh, yeah, solid offensive line, um, you know, solid at all three levels on defense. Um, you know, this is, this, this looks like a true contender, um, which brings me to my very, very most important point about the NFC South. Why did they open this win total? For the Saints at eight and a half, what are they seeing? Why are they? Why are they? Why is Vegas uh, doubting this team? Andy, give me some reason. Oh, regression. Tough schedule. It's just tough schedule. It, it is just a tough schedule. Um, Atlanta, the way they have it lined with the Atlanta right there with them, they go to Baltimore, to Minnesota. I actually love Cincinnati a little now at Cincinnati, at Carolina, um, getting, getting Washington with them coming off the bye. The one, uh, obviously you go off your bye and travel two weeks and then go play the Rams. They got Philly, Pittsburgh at Dallas, just everything about this schedule screams, it's going to be a tough, you know, it's a tough road to hoe. It's not a, this is not an 11 win schedule. And if, uh, if there's any regression from Kamara or any of the second year guys, you see some sophomore slumps, oh, uh, you're, sophomore you're, slumps. you're not going to hit on the draft as well as you did the year before. It just doesn't happen. They, they were extremely fortunate to have those guys come through like they did. Breeze is a year older. He's, he's old. You know, we picked on rivers. They're similar aged. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and they didn't necessarily get it done with their typical throw, you know, chuck it down the field offense last year. Uh, Breeze through most, you know, his his whole they, they still ran a modern offense approach wise. They were passing a lot on first down. They had lots of extended drives where they were, com- you know, converting easy second and third downs. Um, I as a Vikings backer in that. Uh, in that divisional playoff game, it was a, it was concerning uh, how easily they carved up the Vikings down the stretch there. When they needed that comeback, they just they got it. They converted. There was no problem. They did it to Carolina the week before. They had moments where their offense was running as a finely tuned, highly efficient machine. Um, it's it, it's just and they're running and they're bringing it all back. They're running it all back out there. Um, there's not a glaring hole or weakness that I can find on this team. Jay, can you understand why eight and a half was the opening line here for the win total? No, it really doesn't make sense at all. I mean, you know, you guys touched on it. The schedule is tough kind of for everybody in the South. I don't think really anybody has um, a super, you know, we even talked, you know, the Bucks have a tough schedule too, but um, it, you know, to me, what made the Saints so special last year, obviously they've, they've seen the progression in their secondary. They've seen progression with their defense, which is something that they've just never done. But their offensive line was amazing. And Drew Brees actually had time to sit back and throw the ball, and they were able to establish a run game. He didn't have to, you know, he did throw it a lot, but he didn't have to throw a lot. You know, uh, that Ryan Ramzik, as much as it pains me that we said Garrett Bowles in front of Ryan Ramzik, he was an amazing draft pick late in the draft um, last year. Uh, he came in and was just an absolute stud. Marshawn Lattimore, they hit on that pick as well last in last year's draft. 
Um, he was a great player for them defensively and just basically made that secondary relevant immediately. It, probably the one weakness they have is their linebacking core. Um, they brought in Demario Davis to try and kind of fill, um, you know, fill sort of an interior linebacking spot, but um, their defense is legit. It's not, it's not a pushover defense anymore. And their offensive line is really good. And, you know, I, I just really like Drew Brees kind of in, you know, going into the limelight, like, he's, you know, kind of walking into the sunset a little bit. And Last I love Drew Brees this year. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think I, now I wasn't impressed with their draft this year. I think Marcus Davenport was a little, another head scratcher from the NFC South where like oh, you have, you have man. Cameron, you have Cameron Jordan. I, I, what I were really they doing? I don't know, but, um, but I, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of in love with a lot of moves that they made. They brought in Ben Watson, Cameron Meredith. Um, so I, you know, I, I, I think there's a lot of things to love about the Saints. And, you know, I, I'm not beating up on the Falcons. I think, I think both those teams are going to the postseason. I just think the Saints are going to win the division. Uh, okay. All right. All right. Well, I think if you, if you, um, if you can find a winner between these two as a handicapper, as a listener, um, you got to give that team a reasonable shot to win the NFC. Uh, and surprisingly, the Saints and the Falcons are the fifth and sixth uh, long, uh, shortest odds of NFC teams to win the Super Bowl. Saints are seventeen, basically eighteen to one to win the Super Bowl. Falcons twenty to one. Um, you know, if you can find the right angle to figure out which one of these teams wins the South, plays at home in the playoffs, um, you know, you might punch a pretty valuable ticket here. So, uh, is there, Andy, do you see anything in the schedule uh, as far as like, you know, is there ever going to be a better number effectively than 20 to one on either of these teams win the Super Bowl this year? It's, it's really tough to say because a lot of these, I'm, I'm just looking at the lines. They're tough games, but it's still a top team. New Orleans is a top team, so there's going to be so many of these games that are lined so closely. Like I'm looking through the schedule, and you know, you could make a case for them to go on an 0-4 run or a 4-0 run in a lot of these spots where oh, yeah. I, I don't really have a good feel for how these – You know, we talked about some spots where like this team – is has a rough patch and they absolutely cannot make it through here without X amount of wins. Both of these teams, it's really tough to tough to look at a spot and say, this is an absolute, you know, crushing it spot or an absolute going to get crushed spots, especially, well, let me ask especially you. new Orleans, just the, they're a good team. You say you go to at Minnesota. Well, that's, it's not like it's an automatic loss. These aren't auto losses for a team at that, with that amount of talent, these are these are top teams in the NFC, and it wouldn't surprise me if they both win about nine and seven, and the, the odds stayed kind of similar. Even even with records like that, making the playoffs, they're going to be contenders for the Super Bowl. Okay, so let me lay this out then. Then uh, Atlanta goes at New Orleans Week Twelve, Thanksgiving night. Maybe I don't remember being as excited for a game in Thanksgiving. Uh, this early in the season in years and years and years of ever. <laughs> like I really want to say that's going to be the night game on, on Thanksgiving. And it's going to be so freaking, uh, you know, important and impactful in the whole landscape of the NFC. Um, it's at new Orleans. New Orleans is probably going to be three point favorites. 
Um, is there any way to get a, you know, is, is there a way to buy one of these teams now in preparation for making a second play then uh, on that game? Do you know what I mean? There's, I, 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 I love plays like that. I just don't see it. Okay. I think it, it's just, there's just too many moving parts in these two teams. <laughs> I just, it's too far. It's too deep into the season. I think, I think if you get too cute with something like that, you might end up with a really shitty ticket. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. yeah, this yeah, this is a very tough one to handicap as far as you know the AFC West. We went over reasons why all four teams could be good and win it. And this one, it feels even tougher, even though I'm just dealing with these two teams. I know it's really incredible. Okay, well, let's wrap it up uh, with some bold predictions for the uh, for the NFC South. Doesn't have to be Saints or Falcons. Anything, anything uh, crazy that you can come up with about the. Uh, the whole landscape of the NFC South. Uh, Jay, do you want to go first? Yeah, I got a couple plays. Um, so I do think I do think that Derek Cotter first to be fired at plus three fifty is not a bad play, especially when we talk about the beginning of their season. Um, you know, kind of where they're faced. He's definitely on the hot seat. Um, he's probably, you know, I'm I'm relatively low on Tampa compared to most people. Um, so I, I think that's not a horrible play. Um, I know Andy kind of touched on, you know, if you are, if you're not a believer in Carolina, you know, taking New Orleans and Atlanta to both win the South a plus money is good. Um, this one, you know, there is scenarios where maybe, um, you don't have a wild card, but New Orleans to win a wild card is plus 340 and Atlanta to win is plus 365. So, if you if you're confident that one of those two teams is going to be a wild card team, then you can fire on both sides of it and just kind of be a New Orleans and Atlanta fan all season long. And doesn't you know the only game that you'll be kind of like perplexed is the game that they the games they play each other. But um, that's not a bad, yeah. They they can't both win the division. That's just a stone cold huh? fact. They can't both win the division. That's just a stone cold fact. <laughs> you want to both go fifteen and one and just cash those. Yeah, but I, I kind of, you know, I like maybe taking, because I, I feel really confident that Atlanta's probably going to be a wild card team. It's plus 365. Um, that's a play that I really like. Um, and then also, if you do like Atlanta and they're your future, they're, they're the team that you want to get on, um, wait and see what happens in that season opener at Philly. Um, they're a four-point dog to start the year. So if they start 0-1, um, you might see some better numbers um, maybe float out there. Um, you know, don't don't buy early on them. They also play Carolina and New Orleans directly after that. Both those games at home, but um, I think there's a chance Atlanta might kind of have run into some some early noise uh, in the season where I don't see the Saints doing that. They've kind of got a pillow schedule to start. I think they're going to be double digit favorites in both their first two games. So. <sighs> nice, Andy. What's your uh, what's your bold prediction for the NFC South? Boy, I don't. I don't know if I I love the cutter firing. Yeah, remember that was a good my, one. Remember that was my, a really good one. Because they got the so bye cold. week four. And, yeah, just hand up. The bye week four. Yeah. Hand up. Shitty take. Um, I took in Palooza, I took uh, Saints. I took uh, Sean Payton to be first coach fired. I didn't love their schedule. I didn't love their roster. I didn't realize that uh, they struck gold like nine times in the draft. So that didn't happen. That wasn't how that went. Um, hot take: uh, Saints lose again in the playoffs to the Vikings again. 
in just gut wrenching fashion. Oh, suck it that's I, a otherwise, good I don't have one. Um, I do like that's I do like Jay's one. take about either team getting a wild card. I'm not super high on uh, on some of the other divisions to have a, a team that's as competitive as both the Saints and Falcons will be. I like that angle. Um, yeah, hot take would be Matt Ryan wins the division again. Ooh, okay. I'm gonna, okay. I'm, gonna I'm, I'm gonna go with I like I like the Saints, but I'm gonna give them a little regression, and I think the Falcons can get it done. Maybe they will get some money for me on a season win total. I think their schedule is slightly easier than the Saints, just mm-hmm. from a just from a glance. So. Okay, good stuff. My hot take. I'm gonna piggyback a little bit on what Jay said when he was breaking down the Saints. Um and I think there is a better way to back New Orleans to win the South than plus 170 to win the South. And I think it's Drew Brees to win MVP. Uh, we have yet to see Brees win an MVP. Uh, he is riding off into the sunset to a degree. Um, he'll play two more years. But I think this is the last like statistically eye-popping year you'll see out of Drew Brees. Um to, you, know, you put, put on top of that the fact that uh, he's got you know just – a team loaded with weapons. He's got a great defense on the other side of the ball, giving them a great chance to kind of get, uh, uh, you know, win the division, get a buy. Um, he is going to surpass Peyton Manning at some point this season for all time yardage. Uh, and I think oh. that'll kind of, that'll be a story that kind of eats up a little bit of the middle of the season, kind of just glowing about Drew Brees and how great he's been for, you know, he's led the league in passing yards for so many years. Uh, I think you'll get a pretty, uh, you'll get some pretty rosy coverage, and um, I could see kind of a lifetime achievement MVP for Breeze this year. And uh, he's about twelve fifty plus twelve fifty. Uh, if the Saints win the South, he's absolutely going to be in the voting block for MVP, and um, that'll be my bull take. Good All job, right. guys. Yeah, thanks a lot, Jay, for the coming First on. One talking. in the books. Yeah, we got two two down, yep. six to go. And welcome weeks. to the yeah welcome welcome to the elite club of friends of the deep dive podcast it was so great to finally have you on i guarantee you the listeners enjoyed your insight you had so many good points and this was uh as as good as i could have ever hoped for our first of the nfl preview so thank you again for your time and uh best of luck this season man where can people find you again it's at j career j-a-y-k-r-i-e-r uh dm me if you guys got questions anything future related I'm always open to discuss, <laughs> always open to discuss, um, you know, sort of futures or just talk, talk NFL, talk college football, whatever you want. Um, if you need a report, but, uh, if you need a report from the, from the stands uh, in the pregame during a Broncos game, if you need that last minute nugget of information, Jay's got you covered. <laughs> <laughs> Follow yeah, him for well, college you, football if, and college basketball too. This guy's got his stuff. If you, it's so if, if you need, if you need a truly accurate weather forecast for a Denver Bronco game, I will be there. So you can reach out to me for that as well. <laughs> oh, that's so good. All right. Well, um, let's, uh, let's call it a pod. Great job guys. This was uh, spectacular and, uh, the listeners will love it. Uh, best of luck this season. Jay will bring you back on for one of our Wednesday guest, uh, appearances as we break down every week of the NFL season. Uh, and, uh, best of luck. <laughs>